0: Congregation, Uh, I'm going to be reflecting with you this morning on two passages of scripture and the common theme is the power of memory. Uh, The first passage we read was from Philippians, it was Paul's letter to a church that he loved and I know that church loved him very much. It made me think when I read it of this church and how much I have loved all of you and I felt your love as well. And Paul wrote to that church, and I'm just taking a little phrase that he wrote at the beginning of his letter, I thank God every time I remember you. I thank God every time I remember you. Then the other passage, and we're going to spend about equal time on both passages this morning, is what the uh, thief on the cross, so one of the two thieves said when he turned to Jesus, and he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And we're going to consider those passages under the concept of the power of memory. The power of memory. In the one case... It was Paul from prison, writing from prison, remembering the people of Philippi and saying, I thank God every time I remember you. And the other passage is uh, so different. Uh, A thief on the cross turning to Jesus and saying, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Well, Pat and I have so many memories of this church and of all of you. And I want you to notice something about both these passages. Because when when you talk about memory, sometimes people wilt a little bit and think, I don't have a very good memory. Or the students think in school, my memory, I, I should remember a lot more. Well, it's not that sort of memory, really, that the Bible's talking about here. It's talking about the memory of persons. God as the great person in our lives, the great God in our lives... To remember him and him remembering us. And then it's talking about people remembering people. So it's not talking about how much you remember in mathematics so much or history or so on. It's talking about memory that's crucial to every person, every child of God. Our memory of each other and also God's memory of us. And that's what we're going to be focused on. Well, as I said, uh, when Paul wrote those words to the Philippians, and he said, I thank God every time I remember you, even reading those words brought back memories of all of you. What I, what I do every once in a while is I take out the church directory, and I've got that new copy, the 2010 church directory, so you're all updated. The children all look older to me. The rest of you look the very same. <laughs> <laughs> and I look, I look over that directory... And I think of you. I truly do think of each of you. I have so many memories with each of you. I know some of you here are new and really don't know me at all, but I would say most of you have very much built up memories in the past uh, with me and with our relationship to God together. And I do exactly what Paul does. He remembers with thanksgiving the people that he was with. And I raise your names to God in prayer. Well there are there are so many memories when you're a pastor. I was I was here uh, for more than a third of my life. And now when I I read the bulletin by the way almost every week because you've got it online so I go online and read what's happening here and I looked over for example the list of elder and deacon nominees and one thing kind of struck me how young the elders are becoming. You know when I was here I came here when I was 39 years old and Every elder was older than me, every single one of them, and now, oh boy, everyone is younger than me. I guess I'm getting older, but that's the way it should be. The The church moves on. I noticed that the cadets won the Pinewood Derby, and they have done that, I think, for the 23 years I've been here, and we have, I remember, such a wonderful cadet program and GEMS program. And our youth activities here, our youth program, and our junior high ministry, these, the memories just kind of flood back to me. One memory that is very prominent in my mind happened. We moved here at the beginning of the second semester of school, and our kids were 10 and 12 years old, and they got into Timothy, and really had a very good experience at Timothy. It was a very blessed time in their life and ours. But after six months here... God decided to send a flood. And it completely flooded our house. I mean, here's what happened. One morning in August, Pat and I were still sleeping, and our son, for some reason, he got up very early that morning, and it apparently rained all night, and I was oblivious. I never even knew it was raining. And he knocked on our bedroom door, and he said, Dad, the basement is filling up with water. And I thought to myself, it didn't register. How could that possibly be? Did the water heater break? How could that? The basement is filling up with water. So we went downstairs, and sure enough, the water was rising in our basement, and it never quit. 13 inches, I think, in maybe 12 hours, and it just overwhelmed our house. But I remember the graciousness of people during that time. I actually don't have negative memories of that at all. I, I almost have positive memories, just because so many people responded so well. And I heard that when the the Lairds moved into their house this year, did you have a little bit of a flood? You had a little taste of that, I think, what it can be like in that area. But that reminds me of something. Um, I've heard such wonderful things about Reverend Greg and Reverend Mike and their ministry here, and I am so thankful to God. I'm so grateful that God has blessed this church with two such wonderful spiritual leaders and many more with all of you. And I pray for that often as well. Well, Paul Paul says in Philippians, he says, I thank God every time I remember you. And I want to say something at this point about memory because it's a word that the Bible uses very, very often. Remember your creator. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember the poor. Remember the Sabbath day. The word remember or memory is a very common word in the Bible. And when I read a, a number of passages about memory, I, a thought came to me that I believe is very spiritual and very biblical, and that is, we can choose our memories. We can. We can choose our, our memories. Now, that seems like it doesn't stand a reason, but we can. We can choose our memories. Uh, someone might say, well, Reverend Koenig, don't Don't the bad memories in our life keep flooding back way too often? Don't bad memories come to us of so many things? And that is true. That is true. Bad memories or negative memories or unhappy memories will come back to you, but you don't have to make those memories dominant in your life. By the grace of God... See, here's what I believe, and I'm going to show you why I think this is biblical. I believe, for example, good counseling and good spiritual life means that when the negative things happen to you in your life, and right now, any one of you could think of negative things in your past, both that you've done and others have done to you and so on, um, you can process those memories by the grace of God. That's one thing we do when we confess our sins to God. We, we're processing, we're going through the negative things that happen to us, and you move on. You don't have to stay with and live in the shadow of those negative memories. Constantly. In fact, you shouldn't. By the grace of God, you should move on. There are some types of counseling that I believe are are simply wrong, and those are the ones that simply dwell on the negative all the time in your life. You process that with God's help, and you move on. There's a definition of memory in the Bible that I love. I found it in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 8 where God said to his people, remember this. And he was talking about himself. He was saying, remember me, and especially in the context of Israel's sin, he was saying, remember that I'm the great God you're serving. And I judge sin, but I give also my grace. Now remember that. And then he goes on to say, fix it in your mind and take it into your heart. Now I don't believe God would have said that, If there wasn't a choice, if you didn't have a choice as a human being, you can choose not to fix the good things of God in your mind, not to really take them to heart, or you can choose to do exactly what God says, to take His greatness, to take His love in Jesus Christ, and to fix it in your mind, and to take it into your heart and live by it. There are so many passages in the Bible, as I said, that talk about memory. And I'm just going to mention a few of them because they're, they're very instructive. And I believe all of them are saying that you have a choice. You have a choice in your life. You can remember the good things of God. You can remember your forgiveness. Or you can dwell on the negative things in the past. And it'll only tear your life apart. It'll only weigh you down. It'll make you a negative person, unhappy to be with. It'll it'll be destructive. But you can take the things of God, the good things of God, the way he's brought you through the harder times, the way God is a great God in your life, and you can fix it in your mind, as the Bible says in Isaiah, and take it into your heart. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1 says, Remember your Creator when you are young. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. I love that passage because it's asking young people to remember God. And in particular, it's saying to young people, remember that God is the creator. Now, now, this is one of the most helpful things, I believe, for young people in their lives as they're studying creation in school, as they're going about their life. To remember that God is the creator. Meaning you can go outside at night and you can see the, the beautiful stars that God has placed in the sky and you can remember your creator. You can fix that in your mind. When you're studying mathematics or history in school, you can remember that God created everything. He made mathematics. He made physics. He made chemistry. He made the elements of this earth. And you can fix it in your mind and it makes such a difference in your life. If you remember... That God is the creator. For a young person, that is especially powerful. To know that God is a creator. And everything they study, everything they experience, is from God and through God. Remember your creator when you're young. And it's never going to leave you. It's going to be fixed in your mind. And you're going to take it into your heart. Another interesting passage, and there's so many like this in the Psalms. Psalm 77 Uh, verse 11, says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Now, that passage in particular, and as I said, many, many psalms have an expression that's very similar to that. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. It it indicates very clearly that your will is involved. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. You know, you can go through life and you can just choose not to remember it the good things that God has done. You can choose not to take them into your heart. Or you can consistently, and especially in your prayers and in worship on Sunday, you can remember the great things God has done in history, the great things He's done in your life, the great things He's done in your family's life, the great things He's done in the life of the church, and the great things God is doing worldwide today. You can either overlook it not choose to remember it, not choose to note it, the great things God is doing, or you can remember and take those things to God in prayer with thanksgiving. Another beautiful passage is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, where the Apostle Paul says to young Timothy, a, member, a minister, and I think he was saying this to Timothy because he wanted Timothy to be preaching about this. He says to Timothy, Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Now, we just came through the season of Good Friday and and Easter, and you might say to yourselves, well, how could we ever forget? How could we forget Christ? How could we forget the great things that God has done in Jesus Christ, that he's risen from the dead? But You see, that's just the point. Some people can note it on Easter, and then it's like it makes no difference in their life at all. They forget They forget. It's not that they don't have it in their memory, but they just choose not to consistently remember it. Remember that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. In all your devotions, and you should be having devotions consistently in your life, raise that up into your thoughts, that Jesus Christ, your Savior, is risen from the dead. And then probably the um, most wonderful instruction in the Bible, about memory, is in the Lord's Supper, where Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're drawing up the Lord Jesus Christ into our hearts, our minds, our souls, and we're remembering in a very concrete way by taking the bread and the cup. We're remembering our Savior. And that's His instruction to us. And it's not a memory of things past, it's a living memory that Jesus Christ is alive in our hearts. There's one more thing that Paul says in that little phrase. He says, I thank God every time I remember you. I I remember you with thanksgiving. Now here again, there's often a difference between people and a very unhealthy, unhappy difference. Some people uh, just don't have memories that they can be thankful for. They choose not to have memories that they can be thankful for. They always remember the negative. Somebody, um, somebody made a bad business deal with them. And that's what right away comes to their mind when they think of that person. I, I saw an interesting little thing uh, about the time of New Year's. And by the way, that was the last time I preached. I preached on January 2 in a church in Somebody asked me that. Reverend Coney, when was the last time you preached? And I'm kind of rusty. Actually, it was January 2 that I preached my last sermon. It was about that time that I remember seeing something on the news about a man who made a New Year's resolution that changed his life. He, he was a man with a lot of problems. He wasn't getting along with his son. He had been divorced. He had terrible relationships in his life. He had poor business deals in his past. He was a man that really had made a mess out of his life. But he, he decided to do something, and I believe the motivation was from his a Christian faith that was being shaped in his life. He decided to write a thank you note every day to someone. And uh, it came up later. He had decided that the year before. Now, this was a year later, what had happened to him. He wrote, he wasn't getting along with his son. And he decided to write him a thank you note. Thanks for whatever he could think of in his son's life that he appreciated. And you know, it changed his life. It absolutely, completely changed his life. That's what thanksgiving does. Negative memories, negative attitudes will always tear you down and tear you apart. But in Jesus Christ, a Christian who knows God has done so much for him can and should raise up to their memory the good things that God has put in their life, even about people they're not getting along with. Well, there's uh, the second passage, and it's really quite different from this first one where Paul is in prison, he's in a very unhappy circumstance. God has allowed him to be imprisoned, even though he's God's wonderful missionary. And he still looks back on his church in Philippi and he says, I thank God every time I remember you. And we have such a contrast in this passage. Here's a thief on the cross. He's one of two criminals hanging next to Jesus. His life has been miserable. He's been a thief, a criminal. There's nothing happy, there's nothing joyful about this man's life. And he's processing everything that happens on the cross. And somehow, by the Holy Spirit and by the grace of God, his heart is touched that the man next to him, in the middle, hanging on that cross, is no ordinary human being. That the sign that's written on the cross above him is true. That this is the king. Not just of the Jews, but all humanity. So finally, he turns to Jesus. And he says, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. Now that's an astounding statement, because, especially because of those circumstances. He was saying in faith, the last part of his phrase was, when you come into your kingdom. He was saying, here's a man hanging next to me who's winning a victory. And by it, he's gaining a kingdom. And he's coming into that kingdom. It's an astounding statement that he made, because there wasn't one other person in that scene who believed that. Not one other person around that cross, or in that vicinity, or in Jerusalem, believed what this man said. The Jews certainly didn't believe that here was a king. The, the, uh, the Roman soldiers didn't believe it. The disciples had all run away. They, of all people, should have believed that Jesus was winning a victory on the cross, but they kind of disappeared. They certainly didn't think that. Their Savior, hanging on the cross, was about to rise and be anointed king of all people. But Here was a thief on the cross. And he said, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, I know you're a king. I know your kingdom is being established. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turned to him and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. John Calvin wrote that this was the first Christian. This was the first Christian. This was the first man, the first person who fully believed that Jesus, dying on the cross, was winning a victory over sin and death and Satan and being established as the king of this universe here was the first christian here was the first great statement of faith in christ but it's also interesting that he said to jesus remember me now now why would he say that doesn't god remember everything well certainly god does remember everything he's god But the thief was appealing to a certain type of memory that God has. That thief was not saying to Jesus, remember what a good person there was next to you on the cross. That wasn't what he was saying. Remember that there hung a man who had great faith. I don't think he was saying that at all. He was saying to Jesus, remember me. Poor sinner that I am, I know your God. Remember this appeal that I'm making to you. And you know, that really is the essence of faith. The essence of faith is not that we come to God and we say what great people we are. The essence of faith is not that we point to our faith and say, Look, Lord, I've had such great, I've sung your hymns in church all these years. I've uh, praised your name all these years. Now, remember me. Now, we're appealing to what I call the gracious memory of God. The gracious memory of God. And what is the gracious memory of God? It's the memory of God that decides to forget our sins. That's the gracious memory of God. When we appeal to Him, Lord, forgive me. The gracious memory of God is that he decides to forget our sins in Jesus Christ. The gracious memory of God is that he leads us on and blesses us in our lives as we trust in him, and he puts that faith in our hearts. The gracious memory of God is above all that God says, You're my child. You're my child. You know, um, Pat and I, in retirement, we've had so much time to be with our grandchildren. Uh, Even though they don't live near us, uh, we're in Florida part of the year, we're in Michigan part of the year, and our kids live in Arkansas and Milwaukee, so we're nowhere near them. But I I added it up uh, last year, and I think we spent 90 days with them, and I thought that was pretty good. I don't think we're going to continue at that rate, but we'd love to, our six grandchildren. And I and I love them all dearly. They're my grandchildren. They're my grandchildren, but I see when I'm with them that much. I see their flaws, I, I see their uh, their weaknesses as well as their strengths. I, I see how uh, how naughty they can be, <laughs> as well as how good and loving and so on they can be. I see them for everything they are when I'm with them. I, I got to tell you one little story about our. Uh, let's see, it's our fourth grandchild, Elise. She's three years old now. This actually happened a fairly long time ago. I think she had just turned three. She is one just wonderful little girl. I just love her so much. She's such a dynamic little girl. But she's so naughty sometimes. It's incredible. <laughs> uh, and I just got to tell you one story. Um, Cade, her brother, who's kind of serious and does everything right, never hardly thinks of doing anything wrong, you know, just total opposite of her, um, he was playing with, with some toy that he really liked. I, I forget what it was. He likes Legos right now. It might have been some Legos. And uh, I was playing with him, and she was watching this. Elise was watching him play with that toy. And I, I think her little mind was working. What could I do to upset this apple cart? <laughs> so while we were playing, she ran over, grabbed that toy. She's so fast. She grabbed that toy and ran. Kate <laughs> ran after her. And she dropped it in the toilet. <laughs> now that's pretty naughty, let me tell you. <laughs> but you know what? She's my grandchild. And I love her. I love all my grandchildren. I love all of you. You know, I've seen, I've seen the good side, and I've seen the difficult side of some of you, too. You can't help it, being with you 23 years. But you know what? The nature of being the child of someone is that person will always love you. God can never be anything but our Father and we His children. We're precious to Him. So when we appeal to the memory of God, we're saying, Father, remember me as you remember all your children. We're not saying we're so great. We're not saying we don't have flaws and have missed the mark many times in our life and have committed many sins. We're saying, Jesus, remember me. It's the greatest appeal that you can make to God. Well, um, this sermon is coming to an end. And I can only say, you know, you know I, reflecting on ministry and reflecting on my life and my commitments and my faith and my Bible reading and my reading of everything, there's really, I, I haven't changed my mind, my heart. On, on anything, theologically. I, I really haven't. There's nothing I read, no matter what they come out with that's new. I have this very basic, basic commitment. It's found in the Apostles' Creed. It's expressed so well in the Heidelberg Catechism. And I can honestly say I, my heart hasn't changed. That's fixed in my mind. I've taken it to heart. It's part of who I am. I'm still a sinner, but that by the grace of God, won't change. My basic commitment to God, not only as a pastor, but just as a human being, my basic commitment to God. Remember your Creator. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember each other. Remember the poor in this world. Don't live a selfish life. Live a life that's generous, kind, helpful, encouraging, as Jesus Christ came to this earth to live for us.